right. Amen and amen. I'm excited uh, for us in the future to be able to worship with them in that. That's, that's going to be a banger for sure. Excited about that. So if you have your Bibles, and I hope you do, uh, it's a good place to have it. Uh, we're going to be in Matthew chapter 18 today. Matthew 18. We'll be starting with verse 21. Uh, the overarching theme for today, if you listen to any of our uh, songs, is forgiveness. We're talking about forgiveness. And uh, this is going to be where we find ourselves at in uh, Jesus' teaching. Matthew 18, verse 21. And I'm going to read a whole bunch. And I will remind you, I am dyslexic. So if you giggle when I mispronounce a word, I'm, that, somewhere in the Bible, that's a sin, I'm sure. I'm positive. Okay. So we're going to read a whole bunch. I'm going to read through this entire text. Because I think it's uh, for us to consume it all as he taught it is important to kind of be able to break it down. So let's read. Starting with verse 21. Then Peter came up and said to him, Lord, how often will my brother sin against me and I forgive him? As many as, many as seven times? Jesus said to him, I do not say to you seven times, but seventy-seven times. Therefore the kingdom of God of heaven may be compared to a king who wishes to settle all of his accounts with his servants. When he began to settle, one was brought up to him who owed him ten thousand talents. And since he could not pay his master, he ordered him to be sold with his wife and his children and all that he had and the payment to be made. So that the servant fell on his knees imploring him, have patience with me, I will pay you everything. And out of pity for him, the master, the master of the servant released him and forgave him of his debt. But when the same servant went out, he found out that there, one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarii, and he found him, seized him, and he began to choke him, saying, Pay what you owe. So his fellow servant fell down and pleaded with him, Have patience with me, I will pay you. He refused and went, and he put him in prison until he, he should pay his debt. When his fellow servants saw this, what had taken place, they were greatly distressed, and they went and reported to their master all that had taken place. When the master, then the master summoned him and said to him, You wicked servant, I forgave you all your debt because you, because you pleaded with me, and, you, and, should you, and should not you have had mercy on your fellow servant as I had mercy on you. And in anger his master delivered him to the jailers until he should pay all of his debt. So also my father and my father will do to, to every one of you if you do not forgive your brother from your heart. Let's pray. God, thank you so much for today. Thank you for this truth. Uh, thank you for your forgiveness. I'm so, I'm so thankful that we get to sit in that, that we get to, to be in, in that category of forgiven. God, I pray today that you speak through me, use me, uh, use this time. We ask all of this in your son Jesus' amazing name. Amen. So we're talking about forgiveness today, and I think even in like a non-spiritual vein, we can all agree that uh, forgiveness is a good thing, right? Forgiveness is mature, ma forgiveness is good, uh, it, it's, it's the right thing to do. Someone that is easy to forgive, you look at them and you're like, man, they are a good person. We look at them, and, and I guess they even, even being spiritual at all, you're just like, man, that's a good thing, it's a good thing. I remember reading an article, uh, and it was an Atlantic article, and it said, uh, it was talking about the many benefits of being a forgiving person. And it talked about the mental and physical benefits. Uh, the mental benefits being that uh, people who, who showed a tendency to forgive had lower uh, cases of depression, anxiety, and stress. All things I'm ready to get out of my life, right? Like all of those things are, are not good things. You're like, man, you know what I could use today? A little bit more stress. That's what I could use, man. That'd make me a good day. No, all those things get them out, right? So we're like, okay, if you're a forgiving person, you have lower levels of that. Mentally, it is a good thing. It, it helps you out mentally. But not just that, but also physically. 
There's many physical benefits to it. They said that people who have a, an ability to forgive, who, are, who forgive easier, uh, are better sleepers. Man, sleep is precious, especially when you have children, and you're like, this is valuable. And so when, the, when, when they are asleep, you learn, I need to be asleep right now. And so ha- having an easier ability to sleep is very is important. They show less fatigue. I think that probably just points back to the sleep thing. They get the sleep that they need. Uh, they took less daily medicines, less blood pressure medicines, antidepressants, things like that, like you know, just daily medications. They took less. Uh, they also, uh, a person who uh, is unable to forgive, a person that is not as easy to forgive people, they have, an, uh, on average, a smaller brain size. So just for your, the sake of your intelligence, forgive, right? Like, just like, hey, I'm sorry, it's okay, everything's fine, right? Just do that just for the sake of your brain. They, did this, they also had this other study where they told one people to remember a moment where they were, they were wronged, right? And they were unable to forgive them. They're like, remember, like, think of this. They told another group, hey, uh, remember a moment where you just like forgave. Like you forgave altruistically. You just, you just said, hey, this isn't a problem. I'm, I'm, you gave up and you're like, hey, I'm, this isn't a, I'm not going to hold a grudge. I forgive you. And then they told them to jump. I know, does not really make a lot of sense, right? They're like, hey, think about when you held a grudge. Think about when you forgave. Now jump. And on average, the people that forgave jumped seven centimeters higher than the people who held the grudge. What? Like, and some of you are out there, you're like, man, that's what's been holding you back from being able to dunk a basketball, man. Like, that's it. This is because I never forgave my dad, right? Like, that's it. That's right. And then some of you, you're just 5'9", and it's time to let it go. It's time to find other dreams and pursue those things. But no, uh, forgiveness is good. We all can kind of get around that and say, yes, that's an obvious thing. This is an easy sermon to preach. Forgiveness equals good. You can write that down in your notes, right? Like, I have wrote something down today. Forgiveness is good. But man... Resentment is sweet, right? <laughs> Holding a grudge, oh, it's delicious, right? We live in a society where that's the case. That's how it is. I mean, uh, even for me, like I was writing this talk about forgiveness. I was writing about how, you know, it is important to not, to, to, to let, you know, by the power of God, forgive people. And then Taco Bell gave me food poisoning. And I was like, you know, forgiveness is in, uh, Taco Bell, I will destroy you. You know, that's really what I felt like, right? Like in that moment, I was not feeling a lot of forgiveness at all, right? I was like, everyone there, I will find you and destroy you. That's what I felt in my heart. Man, like resentment's so much easier. We see that in our culture. Five of the top 10 songs in the world. You can get on Spotify, you can look up the, the trending charts that five of the top 10 songs are all about someone had wronged them and they're getting back at them. Five of the top 10. One of them was a Hispanic song. I had to Google the lyrics to see what it was about. And let me tell you, she ain't his senorita no more, right? It was, it was serious. It was serious. Don't look it up. It was terrible language. It was awful. <laughs> so, yeah, it was all about, I mean, like resentment and unforgiveness sells. It's, what, it's the culture we live in. I mean, you look at the movies. We have Batman, dude. Like, that dude is all about some unforgiveness, right? That's what he's about. You kill my parents, I will destroy all bad guys. That's what he does. But to make millions, like, profiting off of unforgiveness. That's what he's doing. It'd be a lot more boring of a movie if he's like, my parents are dead, but it's okay because God is good. The end. Credits roll. No, nah, it wouldn't make as much, right? Unforgiveness sells uh, online. Would you have social media if you couldn't, you know, complain? Ooh, you know? resentment, anger towards people. I mean, that's like, it's kind of like, that's our currency today online. It's how you communicate, right? I remember uh, when they put a red light out there on 84 that turns on to Auburn by 84 Chevron, uh, someone put a post like, this is the dumbest thing that's ever existed. And I was like, that is very strong language for a red light to be there. I don't really understand where that's coming from. And then there were like 120 comments agreeing, like they are idiots and they should be burned. And I'm like, calm down, people. This is crazy. 
But we have that mob mentality. That's really on social media. We have this mob mentality where someone has wronged us and we just join the mob and we join in. I remember this celebrity who wasn't even, wasn't even like a, uh, like a huge like, proponent for Christianity. Wasn't this person that says, hey, like, I, Jesus is the banner over my life and I live for him. Uh, but in an interview, uh, they, they cornered him and they just blatantly asked the question. And it was I mean, very, very like, hey, do you uh, support uh, same-sex marriage? And, uh, and so for him at first, he was like, hey, my belief system is I don't, you know, I don't, I don't really buy into that. And they're like, no, like, what do you? And he's like, well, no, I'm a Christian. So I don't believe in same-sex marriage. And the mob on Twitter was built. And they came after him and pursued him. And he did what any time you do to, to try to do, like, damage repair, damage control, is uh, he, he, went, he went live. That's what you do nowadays is you go live. And he began to apologize for the people he hurt. And he tried to explain that he wasn't trying to hurt people. Uh, but instead, but he was asked a question about his personal beliefs. And he just says that he, has, he does the thing where he's like, I have tons of, of friends that are, are, you know, gay. And he does that thing because that's going to save them. But I remember reading the comments as this was happening. And uh, people were commenting under there, you can't feel shame. You can't feel shame. You're a sociopath. You're a bigot. Um, and people were saying they hope terrible things happen to his wife and children. And I remember reading that and just being just totally appalled at the response of the mob. And you know, I bet if we found those people that said that, it's just your typical soccer mom or, you know, gas station attendant. Like, it's just normal people. Just normal people. But they're saying these unbelievably dehumanizing, hateful things to this person. And that's way more common than you think. We name call to dehumanize people, and we do it. It's, it's, our, it's what we do in our culture, and, and man, we are just as guilty of that. We feel like we need to dehumanize them to have the ability to, to destroy them. Because you're not a person, you're a bigot. Uh, you're, you're, not, uh, you're not a person, you're a sociopath. So everything I say about you and do to you um, is justified. It builds me up. It builds my case to be able to destroy you. We see it everywhere in the world. There's entire cultures that are at war with each other uh, just because of what their great-great-grandfathers did, that they were wronged in some way, and they've been waging a war for hundreds of years. And uh, forgiveness is good. We sell that. But forgiveness is good. Um, That Atlantic article, uh, a lot of the information was this guy. He's known as, like, the forgiveness professor. And uh, his, his name is uh, Professor Everett Worthington, and he, his whole thing is forgiveness. He talks about all the, the benefits of, of forgiving people. That's what he always talks about. That's his, his platform. He is a, he's a professor based on this, and of forgiving, forgiving is good. He has all of this, and, and uh, he made a career off of it. And then he got a call that an intruder had broken into his 78-year-old um, uh, uh, mother's home and murdered her. Um, and uh, he was sitting there when he got the call, and he was in the room with his brother, and his eyes just went to a baseball bat in the corner, and he told his brother, he said, I wish he was here so I could beat his brains in. That's the forgiveness guy. It's the dude that, that's like, hey, guys, there's so many benefits to forgiving people. But he had that moment where he's like, uh, forgiveness isn't the answer right now. Forgiveness isn't the answer for me. So it's easy to look and say forgiveness is good until you're the one having to do the forgiving. It's easy to do until you're the one that's been wronged. That's what it feels like, isn't it? Forgiveness is easy until it's you. And, uh, I mean, it could be that, you know, that lover that, that wronged you, and you're just, like, sitting here, like, listening to country songs in your car, and, you know, she don't love me no more, or something like that. It could be the parent that didn't fill that role of parent as well as you thought they should have. 
my mom or dad, they didn't do well and they didn't do good enough. You could, you could be, that could be you, what you're holding. That family member who backstabbed you, you know, you can't choose your family and they've done you wrong and they've burned you. I don't know where you, I don't know what your situation is, but you know when I say forgiveness is good, you're like, yes. But when I'm like, okay, think about that moment where you couldn't forgive. We all have that moment where we've, that we've been, had to face, am I going to forgive this person? Am I going to? We really like to reserve that unforgiveness. It gives us a sense of power, doesn't it? It makes you feel good. It, make, it makes you feel empowered. It makes you feel justified. It makes you feel like, you know, whatever I do to them, whatever I say to them is okay because they did this to me. Even if it was really hateful, even if it was really hurtful, even if it caused damage to them and their reputation, doesn't matter because I'm justified. I'm good. I'm good. It makes you feel morally superior. I'm better than them. I'm better than them. But let me tell you, unforgiveness, resentment, that runs in the opposite direction of the gospel. You can't hold on to both things. And Jesus is very clear with this when he explains this to us. He addresses it in very stark colors in this text that we just read. He explains that. You can't hold on to the gospel of a God who died for you and for your sins and unforgiveness for your fellow brother. You can't do it. It's like being married and wanting to continue to date. It doesn't work out like that, right? Is that, was that a great marriage? No. Once you buy into this, you have to give up that. It's how it works. It's how it works. You can't grip onto bitterness and, and the gospel at the same time. The world knows resentment, but we know forgiveness. That's what we get to know. And he addresses this in Matthew 6 when we I mean, talk about the Lord's Prayer. Um, he begins you know, talking about our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as in heaven. Give us our daily bread. Forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. That term right there is forgive us as we forgive them. For if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. It's very clearly and bluntly addressed. It's not a lot of wiggle room there. We're made to forgive. We're called to forgive. And so I think that's why I love this story because it gives us a little bit more to build this around. Like, why is forgiveness so important? And to give you a little bit of context where they're at is, uh, you know, Jesus had just got done ex- unpacking what do you do when you are wronged by a brother in the church? Like, what do you do? What is the process? And it's like, hey, first you confront them, and then if that doesn't work out, you bring a brother in. And he walks through this whole process, and the end result is reconciliation. That's the end goal. What happens when you are wronged? The end goal was reconciliation, to figure it out, to walk it together, to, to walk together to a solution. So he gets down, they say, he just got done doing this, and Peter has a good concern. He has a genuine concern. This isn't a dumb thing. I love Peter because he just, he doesn't have the voice in his head. His voice in his head is always just the voice that he says. He just, he just, whatever he thinks, he says it. And uh, he, right then, he, he hears this, and he's concerned. What happens if somebody abuses this process? Like, how many times should we allow them to go through this process? How many times should we allow a brother to burn us? And he has a really good answer in his head, he thought. Because in a, a rabbinic teachings, sorry, that word's hard for me. In rabbinic teachings, it was three. You, can, you forgive your brother three times, and on the fourth time, you're done with them. You're just over. You can burn them, and you're justified in burning them. And so Peter comes out, and he gives this answer. He's like, Lord, how often uh, should I for, will I forgive my brothers against me? As many as seven times. He's like, that's right. 
I doubled it and added one turn up. That's what he thinks. He's like, I've killed it, right? And everybody around us probably like, wow, Peter, that's such a good answer. And he's like, I know, I know, it's me. So what I do. But he wasn't expecting this response of Jesus. He says, no. No. And he says, uh, you know, he says, you know, seven times, 70, 77 times. That really isn't the point of it. What he's saying is lose count. Lose count. How many times should I forgive? You shouldn't be able to count it. There's not like a numerical setting that you're going to be able to do this with. So Jesus begins to tell this story. And that's helpful for me. Uh, that's the kind of learner. Like, like Jesus did this, told stories for people like me where I'm like, he gave like the real spiritual stuff. And I'm like, okay. And then he's like, let me tell you a story. I'm like, I'm all in. Tell me the story, right? That's how I learn. So he begins to unpack this story. And he talks about this, this, uh, this servant and this king. And it really plays out in three moments. It plays out in three moments. And uh, the first moment we see is in the courtroom, the king's courtroom. He's settling debts. And uh, this guy comes up, and uh, he has the debt of 10,000 talents. That's a lot of money. That's a lot of money. Let me tell you. And, like, from the get-go, from the jump, this, like, Jesus' story is absolutely ridiculous because this number doesn't even make sense. He picks the largest number that they have and the largest form of currency that they have. There was some historian that said that looked at the taxes of that time and like the entire tax of like consumption of that time was 600 talents. Uh, He had more, this guy had come into debt more money than was in circulation at the time. That's like, how is that possible? That's a bad day in Vegas is what that sounds like, right? Like that's, how is that possible? What did you buy? What did you do? Like imagine more money that's in circulation in America. You ended up having to owe way more than that. It's like a gigabillion dollars. It's not even a real word, right? You're like, how much do you owe? Man, it's tough, man. I go a gigabillion. What? And you're like, that's so irresponsible. How did you do that? And then your second thought is, what kind of king is this? What was he doing sitting around as this dude went out and spent everything that he could possibly ever have? What was he doing? And he looks at him and he just comes to the decision. He's like, man, I'm going to sell him. I'm going to sell him. That's what I'm going to do. The, the top-tier servant at the time, they went for, for one talent. So he wasn't, like, getting his money back. It wasn't what he was doing. He was just going to eat the loss. He's like, well, I'll just get what I can back, and then we'll just be done with it. But then he begins to cry. He begins to, to say, man, like, I'll, uh, I'll work it off. I'll work it off. I'll earn it back. That was ridiculous. You know how long it would have taken him, based on a de- the average day's earnings, how long it would have taken him to pay back this debt? 275 thousand years that's you don't live that long right so he's like it was a ridiculous statement it was a ridiculous concept for him to even try to plead i'll pay it back he does not have the capacity to pay back the debt that he owes he can't do it but it says here that the king showed compassion he showed pity that word there literally is just like a a gut wrenching response he saw him and he saw him begging for his his life and his his and his family's life and he's like you know what i forgive you i forgive you and it's crazy if you look at that king you're like that king that king's crazy he's insane but at the same time you would look at him and say that's the kind of king i want to follow that when i mess up he's not just going to throw me out but instead he's going to show me forgiveness that's a good king that's a loving king the next moment we see is we're on the street, and uh, he sees a guy that owes him money, and he grabs him by the throat. Um, that's what you did when, when you were owed money. That's what you would do is you would just grab him by the throat. It's a weird times. I don't really understand it. Uh, and they owe, he was owed 100, din- 100 denarii, and uh, that would be about, like today, about twelve grand, 
The debt isn't nothing, right? That's not anything. Like if somebody was in here and they owed you $12,000, you would probably be like, how great is my 12 grand? I mean, God, you know, you'd be thinking about it a whole bunch. You'd be like, you'd go to shake their hand and you'd be like, hey, what's up, 12 grand? I mean, Bob, sorry, Bob, I didn't mean to put you. uh, (laughs) That's my generic name. I'm so sorry. (laughs) Bob does not owe me 12 grand. (laughs) I promise. I would have collected. Anyway, uh, anyway. So, 12 grand is not nothing, but compared to what he was forgiven, it's nothing. Compared to what, what he was just given, like forgiveness for, it should be nothing. It's, it's unbelievably small. It's unbelievably small. So people see this, and they go back and they tell the king because it's unbelievable what he did. He got this guy, and he threw him into jail. And even in that time, the, like the only point where you would get to throw someone in jail to get to, and wait for them to pay off their debt would be if it was over 500 denarii. So it's like even in like, like legally at a base level, it doesn't make sense what he's doing. It's petty. It's pride. And this is the last guy that should have those things be attributed to his character, right? Because he just had this unbelievable debt that he was forgiven. And he can't show it to this guy? Can't show the same forgiveness? What's going on? What's going on? This next moment, they go and they tell the king, and he hears about it, and he's furious. He's furious. In times of need, what the king would do, like if times of like famine or, or, or war, what they would do, the king would forgive people their debts. He would forgive their debts um, because he understood that, hey, it's hard times. You, you can't pay it to me right now. It's forgiven. And what it was done, and it was done in the spirit of saying, if the king can forgive, then we can forgive also. If we, and, and it was meant to trickle down. It was a sign of to respect for the, in respect for the king's forgiveness. I will forgive my friend of their debt. I will forgive my brother of their debt. And to not do that is an insult to the king. It's a direct insult to the king. And so he sees what he had forgiven him. He saw his inability to forgive. And it says that word there is it's, we say jailers, but it's also like torturers. It was a serious thing. He hands him over to the jailers and says, "You don't get this." You don't understand it. You're out of my kingdom. You're out of here. And I think all of us, uh, we can kind of, all together, we see the punishment part and we agree. We're like, that's terrible. That's awful. That dude does not get it. He didn't have it together. He did a, he did a stupid thing. He was forgiven of so much and then he continued to turn to his brother and he wasn't able to forgive them. The punishment is just and that's right until it's turned on us. And that's what Jesus does. That's what he does. He flips it. On us, and he says, So also my heavenly Father will do to every one of you if you do not forgive your brother from your heart. He flips it immediately on us. And so that makes such, so much sense in a story at a base level. And he goes, That is the exact same thing that I'm telling you. If you know grace, you show grace. If you know it, you show it. That's the base level. The base understanding here is if you have been shown this unbelievable forgiving love of God, if you know it, you show it. It's something that works in you and then out. One, th- one way this, this text can be kind of confused is like earning salvation. Is that what he's talking about here? Is that I have to forgive people and I have to do all these good things in order to get this thing? Like for, I have to forgive all these people out of the goodness of my heart for God to forgive me? No, that's not how it works. If we look at the story, if, if it was that way, he would have flipped it around. But instead, we see that the, the servant didn't earn forgiveness. The, the king was the first one. The, the, the forgiveness poured out of his heart first. The king's grace flies first. That's what happened. So the king shows, shows forgiveness first. And so that's what we're not earning salvation, no. But we're showing the love that we've been shown. That's what we're doing. When you receive it, 
it changes you. It changes you. I mean, just think at a base level, there's a book uh, called Forgotten God, and he talks about um, like the Holy Spirit interacting with God's people. And he has an, an illustration in there that I love, and he's like, you know, if I said that God came, and he, just made, and he, made, he changed everything about my basketball ability, he made me great at basketball, but then I go out there and I'm like, you know, bricking all these shots, I'm shooting air balls, and, and I'm like, you know, like twisting my ankle, and I try to like do, do a simple dribble. If I'm doing that, would you, you would call me crazy, right? You'd be like, that doesn't make, obviously this guy's making it up. Well, the world looks at us the exact same way when we say God has come and he's delivered his son for us and he sacrificed his son for our sins and he's forgiven us of everything. When we, when we say that, but yet we have an unforgiving heart. That's the same thing the world sees. That's what the world sees. I mean, how do you know that I would have like a billionaire uh, that just wrote me a billion dollar check? How would you be able to tell? Because I'm writing million dollar checks, baby. That's how you tell. Now, how do you know that hasn't happened? I'm not doing that. <laughs> My wife doesn't even give me a checkbook. <laughs> it's the life I live. But how do you, can you tell? It's because you can look at my bank account and you see that it's not in there. How can we tell if the God has, has forgiven you and you understand that forgiveness and that love? Because we can look at your, your bank account and we can tell. We can look at the, the, the bank account of your soul and tell. If you're an unforgiving person, you don't know it. You don't know it. Because if you know it, you'll show it. And then at a, at a base level, and this is, this is kind of what I'm going to end on, is um, how do we forgive? Because we can kind of all understand that like, forgiving is good, but sometimes it's hard. Sometimes it's difficult. Because your hurt is genuine hurt. I'm not minimizing your, your, the difficulties you've experienced in life. I'm not minimizing. And, that's, and you'll never see in the Bible where, where God minimizes your hurt. He won't do it. He won't do it. But how do we, how do we find, get, end up in a place of forgiveness? And I have a few steps that, that, that have helped me figure it out. And these have some like, biblical context and, 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 and biblical reasoning. Step one is you need to acknowledge it. Acknowledge the hurt. That's, uh, I was always really bad about this uh, in my marriage. Of uh, Me and my wife, would, we had to work on it. Of uh, When someone would do something that would hurt our feelings or hurt the other one's feelings, um, we were really bad about being like, it's no big deal. It's no big deal. That's all right, no big deal. It didn't bother me. That's not a good place to exist, right? Because if you're constantly saying, hey, it doesn't, doesn't bother me, that will build up into an unhealthy place. And then typically, the, it doesn't bother me will end up in a moment where it'll explode. And then you'll remember all the things that didn't bother and you'll bring them right back up, right? Acknowledge it. The hurt is real. The hurt is real. And we weren't able to move past that, that moment of like, hey, these things hurt me, until we were started like being like, hey, when you said this, this hurt my feelings. If, if y'all could tell, I like to joke a little bit. That's what I enjoy to do. Um, and when I'd go out with my wife, we would go hang out with friends, and uh, I would joke. I would make jokes about, um, like, cooking or something like that. And that's uh, a lot of men are like, don't, they're shaking their head no right now. I like, don't ever do that. Um, I, I know now. I know it's too late. You weren't in my life at the right time. But yeah, I would make jokes and stuff, and, and uh, finally she was like, hey, when you say that, that makes me not feel good. And I was able to kind of understand, like, okay, the hurt is real. And whenever you're able to acknowledge that the hurt is real, that's whenever you're, when, whenever you're able to get healed, right? Because whenever you get a wound, you don't just say, you know what? It's fine. It doesn't bother me. No, what do you do? You go to the doctor. You scream, like, I'm bleeding. That's what you do. 
And then you could, that way the doctor can come in and we can see some healing there. You have to acknowledge it first. It's not, don't ever think that you're, what you're going through is, is too small. Acknowledge the hurt. The second thing you do is bring it to the cross. Bring it to the cross. I know it's a very churchy um, kind of phrase. Bring it to the cross. Bring it to the feet of Jesus. Well, that's, that's what we need to do. Because it does something that I think that is very necessary for us to be able to walk in a, in a, in a, in a forgiving manner. It gives us perspective. It gives us perspective. Because that hurt that is real and genuine, again, this isn't minimizing it. This isn't making it less than. But what this doing, what it does, whenever you bring your problems to the cross, when you bring this pain to the cross, and you lay it at the feet of Jesus and be like, God, this person has hurt me, and they've wronged me, and I'm not okay, and you lay it at the feet of Jesus, you're able to see it. The cross puts it into perspective because in the background of Jesus is the cross, and you see that like the amount of pain and suffering he went through because of how you've wronged him. The sin that you did that drove him to the cross. That's what happened. Why is the cross necessary? It's because of me and you. It was because we had a debt that we had occurred that was so much greater than we could have ever paid. That we couldn't even pay it in 275,000 years. We, could have, we don't have the capacity to pay back the wrong that we've committed. And whenever you bring it to the feet of Jesus, you're able to understand, God, you forgave me even though I accrued all this debt. I can forgive them. I can forgive them. And the last thing we could do is uh, we can release it. We can release it. Let, it. let it be God's. Let him handle it. Because the good thing is, is that God is a good judge. Because, I mean, I, all of us, we have a sense of justice in us. We, have, we know what is right and we know what is wrong. And we want what right to prevail. And if someone does wrong, they need to be punished. We all believe that. God is a good judge. No wrong shall ever go unpunished. Know that. Know that, that whenever you've been wronged by that family member, whenever you're that, that parent did these things to you that you were like, this is unforgivable, I can't handle this, this isn't right, all things will be punished. Uh, there will be payment. But there's two things, that have, there's one thing you understand is that, that either, like, Jesus, God is the ultimate judge, and that they can get forgiveness the same way you can. That they, if they have a, a true moment where they realize what they had done is wrong and is not okay and is a sin, they can bring it to the feet of Jesus the same as you can. You're not morally better. You're not morally more just than anybody else. Their sin is the same as your sin, and they can bring it to the feet of Jesus. And if God forgives them of it, you can too. And if not, then God is the ultimate judge, and there will be punishment. There will be payment for sins. So you don't have to worry about somebody getting away with something. You don't have to worry about that. That's one thing that's, that you have to be careful. Is also here, I'm not saying, uh, like, don't, like this is, can be really dangerous if you're trying to enable somebody. If you're in an unhealthy, uh, there's an unhealthy relationship, whether it's with a family member, a spouse, a, a, a child, you know, whatever. Sometimes the best, maybe not walk away from your child, but sometimes the best thing you can do is, is to, like, the best way you can forgive it to get out of that situation. Sometimes the best thing you can do to have forgiveness is not saying like, hey, you need to submit in this, in this like abusive relationship. That's not what I'm saying. Sometimes the best way you can be like, hey, I know some dark things are twisted in you, but I'm going to get out of this and I forgive you and you need to figure this out. And, and me and Brother Zach would love to, like, there's a lot of nuance in like, situations like that. We would love to be able to counsel you through that, talk with you and pray with you and figure out what's the best way to reconciliation. That's the end goal. That's where we want to find ourselves. How do we navigate this? We give it to God. Why? Because he's a good judge and he'll figure it out. No, one, no sin goes unpunished and we can rest in that. That's how we're able to forgive. 
And for us, we can say, for me, I choose grace. For me, I choose grace. I refuse to allow situations in this world to make me a bitter person. I refuse to allow people, other people's decisions and wrongs to make me less than of a Christian than I was called to be. For me, I choose grace. And that's the choice that you have today. We're about to go into a, a time of, uh, of worship. Um, I'm going to walk down. Brother Zach's going to be up as well. I think we have a song. I don't know. Maybe. Okay, yeah, we do. Oh, that's good. Uh, in these next few moments, um, I think everyone in this room has that situation where they've, they've struggled with forgiveness. They've struggled to release these things to God. And this is your moment to do that. To realize that, man, these wrongs are genuine. They're hurtful. But God, I give it to you because you're a good judge and you're a good dad. And you're able to see in, in perspective of the cross, the wrongs that have been committed to you are so, are so much easier to forgive than the sins that we've accrued. The debt that we owed, we could never pay back. And he paid it back for us. Let's worship. <laughs>